Blog Talk Radio. Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to be looking at uh, the phrase or the word, uh, gathering together, gathering together. Let's read the first four verses of chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from Christ, as though the, or from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That is quite a mouthful. <laughs> so we're we're trying to take this uh, uh, word by word, phrase by phrase, uh, to get an understanding of this just very rich portion of Scripture. There's a lot of moving parts to it. We're focusing on uh, in this mini study, the gathering together, together we're going to do it uh, in a, a, a number of different parts uh, over the next few weeks. Um, this phrase, gathering together, comes from uh, a Greek word, episunagage. It's Strong's uh, number one nine nine seven in the Greek, G one nine nine seven. And uh, uh, as you could see, it's 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 made up of two parts, epi and sunagage, and that should certainly ring a bell. Uh, sunagage is, you know, we have our modern word uh, synagogue today, um, and uh, and and that's what it's talking about. Uh, and the 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 preposition epi means uh, around or in uh it is used a lot for uh, as 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 a pawn um and actually in this picture you could see they're they're in the synagogue and they're around uh, gathering around um so that preposition again in upon around uh, and and when you put it together, uh, the the word means a gathering together in a specific place. It means a a religious assembly. And when you start to get into the the root words of of synagogue synagogue, uh, it means to draw together, to collect, to bring together. 
to assemble and it will that'll become important when we look at uh, probably our next study um, it also means to go with or to lead in and I think the idea there is that uh, you know you're coming together for the purpose of worship let's say at a synagogue well you bring others along with you you lead them in you bring them along and so you know, in the background of this word is the idea of, of hospitality. Um, now, uh, this particular word uh, is only used in one other place in um, the New Testament. It's over in Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Uh, that that f famous phrase that we all know, the not forsaking the assembly um, and I, I, I think it's important to go to this cross-reference. Again, it's the only other place in the New Testament where we have this word. And if we, we look at what's you know going on in Hebrews 10, uh, well, Lord will, and that'll help us to figure out what's going on in Second Thessalonians, where we're talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the parousia, his very presence, and how we're gathering together unto him, which, you know, I want to remind uh, us once again to not read into words, but to study as much as we can and just let the Bible speak for itself. There are many, many, many uh, commentators, pastors, teachers, they will jump right to uh, the fact that the gathering together in Second Thessalonians 2 is the rapture of the church. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not a rapture uh, event. But I don't think it's wise to just immediately assume that, which many, many, many people do. Um, what, what I'd like to do here, what I think is a good thing to do, is let's look at Hebrews 10.25. And in later studies, we're going to see where we can find this word in the Old Testament, in the Septuagint, and how is it used, you know, what's the concept in the Hebrew language. And then we, we just get a, a, a fuller understanding of what it means to be gathered together. And uh, so, just for a little bit of backdrop to Hebrews 10, I'm going to read from a, a little devotional commentary I have from Warren Wearsby. It's called With the Word. Uh, excellent. I love Warren Wearsby stuff, listening to him and reading. And He has this, this little subtitle, Hebrews 10, verses 118, Forgiveness. The sacrifices under the Old Covenant brought a reminder of sin, not a remission of sin. The blood of God's Son took care of sin once and for all, because there is no more offering for sin. There is also no more remembrance of sin, verse 17 in Jeremiah 31:34, And we can rejoice that we have a righteous standing before God. Then verses 19 through 25, subheading uh, faithfulness. The same Savior who died for you now lives for you and invites you to come into his presence to worship and to share your needs. The Old Testament high priest could go behind the veil only once a year, but we could come into God's presence at any time. Be sure that you are cleansed and prepared to meet him. You could trust him. 
he who promised is faithful, verse 23. So the idea of the body of Christ is very important to Hebrews 10. Um, uh, and it's through his flesh, through that veil that we have uh, access. And as we move along, I want you to keep this in the back of your, your mind. He's the head and we are the body and there's many parts that God is assembling together and fitting together. And uh, and so in Hebrews, the verse that in question, let me back up to verse 23, Hebrews 10:23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Now, there's different views on what this day is. Um, some would say it's 70 AD. Some would say it's the day of the Lord. Some would say it's the day of of Christ, meaning the the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. Um, certainly the writer of Hebrews has something in mind here. The last verse in chapter 9, verse 28 was, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear up here a second time apart from sin for salvation. So there's a there's another day coming when he's going to appear. And um, so, you know, I think that's the context of this day that uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about. But I want us to notice something, you know, as as we close and we'll, you know, we're going to be talking, we'll have multiple parts to this. So this is really kind of just to get us rolling. Um, you'll notice here we're, we're to not forsake the episunagage, the gathering together. And the idea of forsaking there is to abandon, to leave, to not be in or around uh, the 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 fellowship. Uh, now, this is a verse that definitely can be used to you know to encourage us to be in fellowship, to come to church, to be in Bible study and all. But I would say beyond that, there's a more foundational. Uh, meaning and and I think you know well it has to do with what is going on over there in Second Thessalonians and now what I want us to all notice here is this idea of forsaking. There's only two places that this word is used in the New Testament, and um, if one of the two uses says that you could abandon the assembling of yourselves, then, you know, you really should factor that into your interpretation of the other verse. Again, I'm not saying that, the, you know, the, the assembling together unto the Lord in Second Thessalonians 2 verse 1 is not a rapture event, but the use here of the assembly it means that it's something that happens before uh, a specific day and that you could forsake that gathering together. So 
we want to keep that in mind. And, you know, for today anyway, not be that guy, not be that gal. But but to do just the opposite, to do what, you know, knowing that we have a high priest over the house of God, verse 21, hey, let us draw near, let us come in by the through his veil, through his flesh, through the blood of Christ and what he's accomplished. We can come and draw near to our God and pour out our hearts and ask for grace and mercy and and, you know, be close to him. So, um, here's your two two times it's used in the New Testament. And we'll, this will just get us going as far as the episunagage, uh, the gathering together unto the Lord. Um, so, we saw that this phrase, gathering together, comes from uh, the Greek word episunagoge, it's Strong's number 1997, G meaning Greek, 1997. And here's the actual Strong's entry of this word. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff here uh, that it doesn't really mean much. That TDNT is the Theological Dictionary of, the, of New Testament Words, and that gives a real in-depth study of uh of the word you'll notice it's a noun it's feminine gender uh towards the center there we have in the authorized version the av it's uh this particular word as we've already discussed uh is two times in the new testament once as gathering together and once as assembling together the gathering together is in second thessalonians 2 verse 1 and the assembling together is over in the book of Hebrews that we looked at. Uh, the, this word specifically means a gathering together in one place or a religious assembly of Christians. Now you'll notice it is from G1996. Many uh, Greek words, Hebrew words, are uh, from a family of words, meaning that they have a a, uh, a root root. Uh, and so let, let's take a look here at uh, 1996. You'll see it's almost identical. It's Episuna Go. It is from G1909 and G4863. Uh, G1909 is Epi. Uh, we discussed last time that means upon or at, around, in. Uh, it's preposition. And then I guess the, the real root of this whole uh, word we're studying is is G four eight six three, which is synago, which we get our word for synagogue. Well, uh, G nineteen ninety six. You'll see where we're going with this in a second. Uh, so nineteen ninety seven is from nineteen ninety six. In the authorized version, New Testament, it's seven times translated as gathered together uh, five times and as gather twice. It means, and pay attention to what these words mean, or, 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 or you know, the, the, the various meanings here, um, and, and just, even if you have to pause the video, uh, it says, to gather together besides, to bring together to others already assembled, to gather together against, to gather together in one place. So you can see it's very similar to G1997. Uh, now, we 
we bring this up, this G1996, because we're going to stick to the Greek. And as I mentioned in our first study, uh, if you read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, concerning the coming of the Lord, the parousia, and our gathering together to him, and jump right to the conclusion that the gathering together is a rapture event, I, I don't think that that would be wise. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a rapture event. I'm just saying we shouldn't just, you know, assume right away that that's what it's talking about. Well, what's better to do is to study this idea throughout the, all of the Bible, and then we could come to some sort of conclusion. So, sticking with the Greek, we can go to the Old Testament because... Uh, we know, of course, that the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Um, many would find it very uh, interesting, uh, also maybe not really believable, that Jesus actually quoted from the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, uh, more times than the Hebrew. Well, certainly the New Testament. I'm pretty sure it it's, applies to Christ as well. But the New Testament quotes from the Greek translation of the Old Testament more than it does the Hebrew. And that's simply because that was the, the common language at that time, the most the most common and the most used, the most printed. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back and just look at one situation in the Old Testament, one situation, one chapter, <laughs> one situation, one chapter in the Old Testament that... Really, uh, we won't, you know, spend much time on it, but I just want to put it out before you for you to think about and just uh, let it, you know, just be there informing, you know, uh, just our, uh, us getting a better understanding of, of what's going on with this phrase, the gathering together or this word. So here it is. I have it highlighted. There's the, the word for us. Uh, that's G19. 96. It's got a slight little variation on the ending. And remember, again, the endings are deal with, you know, case and gender and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, this particular uh, uh, verse in the Greek uh, first appears in the Bible in Genesis 6, 16. Now, let me read it to you. I'm going to read the New King James Version, which is the English translation of the Hebrew. Okay, and uh, Genesis 6.16 says, You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with a lower, second, and third deck. Now, sometimes the Greek translation of the Old Testament is slightly different than the Hebrew. Now, it freaks some people out. I, I'm not bothered by it because the Lord quoted from both of them. I think God's just given us sort of a, a binary code here. Um, but if we go to an English translation <laughs> of the Greek Old Testament, uh, and, and here's one, for example. This is the... Uh, ABP, the uh, Apostolic uh, Bible Polyglot. <laughs> but uh, it says this, By an assembling, 
you shall make the ark. So this is the English translation of that Greek that I just showed you from two slides ago. This is Genesis 6.16. By an assembling, there's our word, G1996, you shall make the ark. And by a cubit you shall complete it from above, but the door of the ark, and, and it goes on. So you'll notice there's no mention of the window. And, and, and let me mention that that word for window, it really means light in Hebrew, and it's, a, it's quite a rabbit hole itself. But here we have it. Here's our, here's our, our Greek translation. This is the first time that this Greek word appears in the Bible. Episunagoge, the, the 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 well, it's not goge, but episunagog. Um, I think the actual translation here would be episunagon. It ends with a with a new in the Greek. Um, it's pretty amazing. This is really amazing concerning the parousia, the coming of the Lord, and our gathering together to Him. Remember, in Hebrews we have it. It means assembling. And uh, you will notice here of the context. Genesis 6 is the time where the sons of God came and had relations with the daughters of men. The context here is before the flood. This is the time of the building of the ark. And Noah's building the ark... And the Lord is gathering together the animals. They come two by two. And it is before the destruction of the earth. Now this is key because in our Hebrews text, you you were being encouraged, you meaning us, but we are being encouraged not to forsake the assembling together. and And especially as we see the day drawing near. So the context of the use here in Genesis of this episunagon, episunagoge, the gathering together, is before the destruction of the earth, before the flood. And uh, that, that, I think, becomes very important. And I'd like you to just think about that as we continue our studies. We're going to go into some of the Hebrew but if you think back to, you know, Genesis, the Lord, it was so horrible on the earth and the Lord was regretted. If I use English, you know, kind of modern, he's bummed out. He's upset about what's going on. And the wicked get swept away in a flood of destruction. And uh, the Lord brings Noah and his family and the animals through it. They land on a mountain. After a certain amount of time, life comes out. And we sort of have a Garden of Eden part two because he, the Lord speaks to Noah, tells him to be fruitful and multiply. There's a law given and they move on. Makes you think about Second Thessalonians 2 and the next time around the, the ride on this that these things are going to play out again. Except we know in the future the Lord is not going to destroy the earth by a flood. It shall be by fire. And he shall bring some through it. And we're going to get a reboot during the millennial reign of Christ. And, and even then it won't be on to complete perfection because we have the ending and there will be rebellion before we go on to the eternal state. So 
think about this use of the gathering together. Think about what it means for us today. And what is the Lord assembling? It has to do with the body. Remember Hebrews 10, that a body that I prepare for you. We're the bride. He's the groom. And we're going to talk about patterns, patterns related to the gathering together. Our text is in Second Thessalonians 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the, our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Our word, gathering together, or the phrase, but in Greek it's one word, episunagoge, Strong's number uh, G1997. So we're thinking about patterns, and we've brought this verse up before in the book of Ecclesiastes. That which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. There are patterns to in, in the scriptures. There's a cyclical nature as we move through time. The word of the good Lord repeats. And so we want to take a look at this concerning the episunagoge. Now we've mentioned, and we're going to return back to Hebrews 10, because Hebrews 10 is the only other place in the New Testament where we have this word, episunagoge, the gathering together. So it's only two places, Second Thessalonians 2, uh, in the exact form. Second Thessalonians 2, Hebrews chapter 10. But here it's translated a little bit differently. Uh, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling, there's our word, the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So here, it's not gathering together, but it's the assembling of ourselves. And we've pointed out that Hebrews 10, it, the, the, there's an emphasis on the body of Christ. And God, if we think about our last study, and when we're talking about the ark, uh, the Lord is assembling a body. He's assembling the bride. And uh, so this is so important for us to, to, to study. Now, I've highlighted some other words here because we're talking about patterns. And we're going to see there's some common vocabulary uh, where, where, where we'll see that, man, wow, God's really, he's talking about the same things here. Now, one thing I want to just bring up and as a word of reminder, in this Hebrews 10 passage, this gathering together, this assembling, is something that we could forsake, that we could depart from. And I think that's very important for us to consider, because if we think of the rapture event, as, as most people would think of it, you don't forsake that. It's game over when that happens. But here, in the only other use of this word... This is a gathering together 
that you could forsake. And so this is important in light, you know, when we're thinking about Second Thessalonians 2, because um, the day is not going to come unless there is a falling away first, a forsaking. Okay, so the text in Hebrews 10 goes on to say, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. These are all common themes with what we see in Second Thessalonians 2. Uh, towards the end of the chapter, skipping down there, but recall the former days in which you, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. See, the, these are common to Second Thessalonians. Partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now you see the the common language, and I, the more you, the more I study Scripture, it, we're not just making this up. We're not just trying to fit things. God, I believe, has specifically done this to help us to remember, to help us to remember, and to teach us. Now look, look how it finishes here. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. Again, this is another key element to that Second Thessalonians 2 passage. We haven't gotten to it yet, but we underlined it when we read the scripture at the beginning. There will be one who leads away. The Lord is seeking to gather. Another will be raised up to lead away to perdition. So there's clear common elements. We have patterns in the scripture. That's that's what we're looking at. So here's an example. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And note the next. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. We just read that there in Hebrews 10, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 9, Now when he had spoken these things, and while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, Two men stood by them in the, in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner on the clouds, as you saw him go into heaven. And then, of course, moving on later in the chapter, verse 15, and in those days, Peter stood up. 
Now, this word stood up is related to the word apostasy. And uh, there, the apostasy is to stand against, uh, away from, to stand away from or against. Here, P Peter is standing up in a good way. So he stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning, of course, Judas, who is a son of perdition. <laughs> and he became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. And then look what it says about Judas's death, for it is written in the book of Psalms, Verse 19, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Now, I only highlighted some of the things here. Uh, even this right here at the end, when as Judas falls, another takes his place. That's a, a common theme that we see in, in prophecy. We had the two witnesses in this text. We had the mention of 120, which draws our mind back to the days of Noah. There's so much where there, there's no coincidence here in the Word of God. There, there, there's, there's no doubt about it that God wants to use Acts chapter 1 to teach us about the end times, to teach us about the gathering together in this upper room. Now let me just remind you that one of the things we were saying we don't want to do is to have set what we think the, you know, you know, as the puzzle pieces come together, we, it's probably not wise to say this is the way it should come together. Because, uh, you know, along the way you're going to get some pieces that don't fit. And I, I, I have pieces that don't fit. I have things that are coming together more clearly than ever before, that's for sure. But I still, I have questions, things that I don't understand, and I, I'm not going to look to force them. Instead, what we're trying to do is just say, look, clear the box top, study the Word of God, meditate, study the words, read, 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 just be immersed in the, in the scriptures, see the patterns that are developing, and then God, in His beautiful time, is going to begin to bring puzzle pieces together for us. And I know that as that happens, you know, our hearts will burn within us and it will be a happy day for us. <laughs> uh, so this uh, ends our section here, uh, our mini study on the gathering together. And we're going to move on to look at the day of Christ, the day of Christ.